I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, where we take a look at music's effect on our everyday lives. I live in a suburb of Minneapolis where horrific events played out on Memorial Day that our entire country and world are continuing to process and respond to, the killing of George Floyd on May 25th. So many of us are saying, how is this still happening and how can we bring about change? How can we be part of the solution to the problem of racism? There is a quote I read in a book a while back that really caught my attention, and I've been thinking about it a lot in the last couple of weeks. In the book, the authors said, successful movements to advance civil rights for historically marginalized groups relied not just on political action, music, culture, art, television, churches, Neighborhood groups and volunteer organizations have played instrumental parts in bringing about change. That quote is from the book, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, by Beth Holland and Sarah Silvers, which I highly recommend, by the way. One thing I like about the quote is it captures the reality that there is not just one answer or just one route to progress. There are many, and they are all important. The other thing I like about the quote is it helps break down an overwhelming situation into a more manageable question of what can I do right now? Obviously, this podcast is all about music and its effect on our lives. And we're talking today about what role can music play in advancing social justice My guest today is my first ever repeat guest, the award-winning musician Bruce Henry, who is joining us today from Chicago. Bruce is an in-demand educator with a deep understanding of the connection between history, music, and culture. He has recorded for Disney and HBO. He has performed with Natalie Cole, Roberta Flack, and Bobby McFerrin. Bruce helped us recognize Martin Luther King Jr. Day in January of this year by spotlighting the role and impact of music and spirituals within African-American culture. He has graciously agreed to join us again today. Thank you so much, Bruce, for coming back on the show. Welcome back. Oh, thank you, Mindy. It's a pleasure being here with you. Well, Bruce, starting off, I'm interested in your perspective on that quote that I read. Successful movements to advance civil rights for historically marginalized groups rely not just on political action, music, culture, art, television, churches, neighborhood groups, and volunteer organizations have played instrumental parts in bringing about change. Tell us your take and your thoughts on that quote. Well, I, you know, I, I think about it. My relation to that, my response to that question is that I look at it from a perspective of uh, as an African-American historian. It's not that I'm not aware of uh, other cultures to some degree, but that's my uh, specialty. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look at, at music as you look at music has a very functional role throughout African and African-American culture. So music is used for every aspect of life, all aspects of life. Music, music has a functional role. So it's just to me, it's a natural outcry that during the civil rights m- movement, that music was an integral part of the experience there, encouraging people and listening people. Um, and then I look at all, all throughout, um, well, throughout the world, uh, African and non-African world. I think about there are examples of uh, like Yusu Indor. He's a great um, performer in uh, Senegal. 
and how he used music uh, in campaigns against malaria that helped educate people about that. Mm. Um, you know, Olivia Mitsukudzi did the H- HIV campaign in Zimbabwe. You know, it, it goes on. Angelique Kijo is an ambassador of music. So the idea of uh, music being used there and people using their gift to help change the world, it's, it's all over. And in America, this list is long. People like Sam Cooke, with uh, the same thing, you know, he's primarily, you look at him as a pop sensation, but one of his stated goals was to use his success to, you know, help fund the civil rights movement and to make change. And those lists of people who use their gifts like that, it's endless mm. to go for change. So Sam Cooke, that was an example you gave of here in the United States, someone using music to advance the cause of civil rights. Mm-hmm. Did he use that through his music or did he use his income from his music to give? How? Tell us more about how he advanced that cause. Oh, well, he, okay, he was very much a crossover success, which is a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he was very much a crossover success. So he created an image that was accessible to white and black Americans, all Americans. And at the time when there was race music and, and music was thought of as segregated, the idea of a, of a black man uh, being a, a symbol, a sex symbol to white society. I mean, that was that's mm-hmm. kind of new. Okay. So, okay. so he, he crossed over. So while presenting this image... This, this very, you know, acceptable, safe image behind things. He was not uh, overt in his music with his messaging. Mm-hmm. So he, he established a record label uh, where he hired black artists. So that was a form of activism to take away, to take the control back of mm-hmm. people's art. And he also gave of his money to the civil rights movement. I personally uh, funded and gave money to the movement. And uh, at one point, he had the great song, A Change Is Going to Come, which is a great one of the great anthems of the civil rights movement of the 60s. Uh, he wrote that song. It's epic, classic tune uh, that, that uh, like uh, Bob Dylan. So he actually wrote it uh, because, um, well, a long story, but one night... Uh, he was in a racial altercation. Some of the members of his band were jailed because they were upset that they weren't allowed to enter into a, a hotel. They were denied rooms and there was a whole melee. And um, and he came away from that with two thoughts that, you know, he needed to respond to it. Uh, and he also, he was frankly a little bit embarrassed that the anthem of the civil rights movement was written by Minnesotan Bob Dylan, Blowing in the Wind, at that mm-hmm. time. Anthem. And uh, he was a little embarrassed that, that it took Bob Dylan to do that. So he wrote a change that's going to come. So mm-hmm. so he did it behind the scenes. But that, but if he only did one song, it's the kind of song if he has dozens of hits. But if he only did one song to leave in history, a change is going to come is a great song to do. Mm. Now, what years would you say Sam Cooke was most active with his music? In the 50s and the 60s, mid-60s. Okay. He died very young. Okay. Well, in 2014, when the movie Selma came out, I remember watching it and just being really kind of hit behind the eyes with what was depicted in the movie and just the fact that that was not that long ago. 
you know, 55 years ago, the events in that movie took place in 1965. When you envision music and musicians bringing about change today in the 2000s, what are some things that you see? Hmm. Well, one of the things that that, that I see in, in, in terms of things that we can do or people are doing. Both. Yeah. Well, you know, forgive me for personalizing it. I first think about what I can contribute. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> and and what I have done. And and then I also am encouraged by what I see other people doing. So so for me, um and what I encourage my students to do is when I look about the things that are going on right now, I look through the arc of history. So I see nothing new. So as traumatic, each generation has to learn about what's what has always been America. So George Floyd is my American experience. Hmm. It's, you know, and so I say that as humbly as I can, because I really feel for George Floyd, his family. And I feel for the people who I really feel for the people who are this is uh, revelatory to them. Mm-hmm. But without being cynical, I mean, the 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 list of uh, racial experiences like this is endless going back to 1660 slaughters and massacres etc cetera, etc cetera. so through my music even and through songs that I write I am trying to remind people to keep things into perspective to not constantly be surprised and shocked at the nature of the system we live in so just 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 admitting that Mm-hmm. And educating about that, and then define strategies, and, and believe it or not, I find music as a great strategy. Find strategies the way that our ancestors dealt with this arc of history through their music, specifically through their music, how they tried to communicate the American experience through their songs, mm-hmm. and to protest against it and to unite together so that's that's how i do it and i'm i'm attracted to people who get that perspective as well the power of music to change and to educate mm-hmm. well you touched on a situation that has been i think just all of our eyes have been open to the fact that we're all coming to this situation from very different perspectives and mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned that a lot of people are not shocked at all by what happened. And then there's people like me who it's very eye opening for me to realize what a bubble I've been in because it is shocking to me. Like, this is still happening and it's right here where I live. And I have a white friend who has a black daughter who's adopted. And since this happened, we've had some conversations about some of the experiences they've had down through the years. Mm -hmm. And it it just floors me. So for those of us who have maybe been a little bit bubble wrapped and are shocked mm-hmm. by this, what would you recommend that we do? How can, as musicians and music lovers, how can we be part of the solution? As musicians and music lovers, that's a really good question. How can, well, one thing, you know, read. Read. Read for for the first thing is read and, and and listen to voices that have talked about anti you know anti racist or talked about racism. Listen to the voice of African Americans, 
listen to them about what really is going on. Like if we just use like a locality, let's just use Minnesota, for example. Mm-hmm. I, as you know, I lived in Minnesota for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there are well-published articles. I see them all the time, for example. I've seen them at least three, circulate three different studies and, and articles in, in the last uh, 10 years, three different articles about the status of African-Americans in the Twin Cities. And those are articles that you've seen published in the local paper? Washington Post, I believe, was one. Okay. Um, national articles. There was a, a council, Hennepin County Council on the Status of African-Americans, about maybe that's going back a little longer, 15 years ago or so. Okay. So these are articles you're not necessarily seeing in the local Minneapolis paper. <laughs> it's more national Well, yeah, I, publications. Seen, I saw them in the Minneapolis paper as well. Oh, okay. Reports on the, on the study of the status of African-Americans in Hennepin County. Okay. And, and they just, they come around from time to time. I wish I had the specific, specific articles, but it wouldn't take much time on Bing or Google mm-hmm. to, to research. And there's plenty of information there about how African-Americans are doing economically and socially in, in the Twin Cities. Now, I just, I just read something this morning about, you know, segregation. In, in the schools in Minneapolis has increased sevenfold since 2000. So my, my point is, is just it's incumbent upon white people, if I may, mm-hmm. to educate themselves. The information is there. You don't have to be a historian. You just have to care. It's right there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so so oftentimes I know that if I if a black person says it, you know, I've had many conversations on a personal, you know, many personal conversations where people go into their reflex mode. It's difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, read about it mm-hmm. and then engage in conversations. Mm-hmm. But this information, it does. It just takes a willingness to want to learn, mm-hmm. just a willingness to learn. That's what we need. Sure, and that and that applies to all of us, whether we're musicians or not. Right. So, so I I, I wrote a show once where I was trying to. It's a thirteen minute show. I, I tried to do. It's called My American Blues, and uh, and in twelve minutes, uh, twelve and a half minutes, I wanted to try to speak from the voice of four hundred years of musicians talking about it. Musicians have been talking about trying to put a mirror on the American condition for other people to see mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. And and just it was just amazing to me to see everything from like the Alabama blues, um, everything from abolitionist songs all about the American condition, uh, couldn't hear nobody pray, the great spirituals, all of them to hip hop today mm-hmm. have been trying to explain this alternate nation that we live in mm. even me i mean it's like you know uh i'm living right down here on michigan avenue uh, i don't feel middle class but whatever <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a i'm an artist okay mm-hmm. and uh and i i know i have a lot of privileges in my life when people consider me uh, uh they're fans of my music and i'm a kind and gentle person mm-hmm. um but even my stories of my encounters with police would be as shocking to people 
or to the amount of uh, microaggressions. I've written down the microaggressions that I can remember where random uh, white people walked up to me and said the most unbelievable things to me. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is the American experience. That's my American experience. And so that voice is there. So it's really time for the non-black culture to educate themselves. It's in the music. It's in the literature. It's everywhere. Okay. Tell me some more about your 13-minute show. Is that something that you just performed live, or is that something that's available as a recording somewhere? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, it, it has only been performed live. Okay. But uh, right now, I'm I'm trying to learn how to create these products and yeah. and in my bedroom studio. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, because yeah, we're so limited on what we can view and perform live right now in groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. if you if you come up with a way to put that 13 minute show into a video form, let me know so that I can watch it and add that to today's show notes. Is that wow. one of the is that one of the programs that you're working on getting into recorded form? Yeah, yes, I am. Um, I'm just working on literally the the technological aspect of it, being a sound and video engineer, as well as writing the script. So, so for me, uh, one of my favorite projects and topics is is uh, the, you know the 400 years of protest music, and so the evolution of Af- it's it's just it's an offshoot of the evolution of African American music. The idea that through all these styles and genres of music uh, that African-Americans have created in this American experience, there is a, an overarching theme, and that is the idea of protest and liberation. Mm-hmm. And it runs, it runs through literally you know, every genre of African-American music. So in, I have worked on this content and, and lectured on this content for years and performed and created performances around this. So now I'm working on how to do it in cyber world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a challenge for all of us who are not maybe so technically savvy. I put myself for, for in that it. group. <laughs> well, you do a great job. Oh. You do a great job. So. Well, thanks. Well, if we, so if we think about music and musicians mm-hmm. and social justice, I hear mm-hmm. you saying that a first step is just admit that this is the reality of our country and it has been for the entire history of our country and just realize it's still that way. Another step that we as musicians and music lovers can take is to be educated, educate ourselves, be aware of the articles that are already out there, take advantage of books that are out there, movies, uh, and, and educate ourselves on what the history is, what the reality currently is. A third way would be to use music to protest and tell the story. Uh, any any other ideas that come to mind? Yeah. Oh, yeah, a couple other that come to mind would be one is you know, as, you know, after you are informed, then listen. It's like, you know, with the struggles of, uh, you know, and for equality for women, you know, I I don't go in there mansplaining, you know, Uh, I try to be humble and to listen and to be informed. Mm -hmm. So so that works. I I can't. uh, The listening is very important. Um, And the other thing is, like, I'm inspired by uh, real life examples of folks who are doing this. So. Uh, there are artists out there, you know, of all colors, and gender, 
who are out there doing this world. Maybe they don't write protest music, uh, but they lend their talent and their prestige to causes, either in benefit form, uh, they perform benefit concerts, or uh, or they uh, align themselves with nonprofit organizations that are out there. There's an endless list of those folks who are who are an inspiration. Just using being active with your art and performance or active with your gifts, mm-hmm. money or, and or time and name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Say that again. Being active. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Be active with, with your gifts. Be active with your, your, your money, your, your name, your fame. Mm-hmm. All those things that you are the ways that you can contribute to the struggle. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you brought up the women's rights situation. There's the Mrs. America mini series that I haven't finished mm-hmm. it, but I've been watching some of that. And I have really been thinking about the corollaries in the last couple of weeks here. Um, and one thing that I thought was interesting when I was watching the series and then this conversation that I had with the, the conversation I had with my friend who has the, the daughter who's black and she was talking about how she's been involved or listened to conversations with other black teens and heard one of them say, well, I haven't been discriminated against. And another person said, really, you know, how many times have you been stopped by the police? Oh, <laughs> uh, six. And all of the white kids of that age in the room were like six. (laughs) I've never been stopped or maybe once, you know, and it was kind of like, do you know why you were stopped? And he said, no. (laughs) And and so it's kind of like when you're, and I I noticed that in the Mrs. America series where there's women saying, well, I've never faced discrimination. And you can see it right in the movie where they are being patronized and discriminated against and they don't. It's like it's such a part of their world that they don't recognize it. That is so true. Well, I am a huge fan of Michael Franti as a person, Mm -hmm. his work, Mm -hmm. his music. And he just had a post on Instagram yesterday that really caught my attention. I thought it was wonderful. And he just had a black screen and then white text that said, some are posting on social media. Some are protesting in the streets. Some are donating silently. Some are educating themselves. Some are having tough conversations with friends and family. A revolution has many lanes. Be kind to yourself and to others who are traveling in the same direction. Just keep your foot on the gas. And I thought, what a great way to just kind of encapsulate what's happening now and just perspective of, you know, let's keep this progress going. Let's keep moving forward and do whatever each of us individually and collectively can do. That's a beautiful quote. And that's a man who walks the talk. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I've really been impressed with him. I've always loved his lyrics and his music, but since Mm -hmm. quarantine hit, I've really gotten a chance to see more of him as a person because he's been so active in interacting with fans live, whether it's Instagram live, just impromptu live concerts. He's done a ton of fundraising events and uh, just really am impressed with, like you said, how he really walks the talk. Yeah, there are so many, so many people out there that, uh, you know, for example, um, even even in uh, Minneapolis, for example, I, I think about people like Larry Long, who is at that intersection of music and history 
and um, social action mm. coming more. I, I guess it's the American Americana roots music, or or someone like my friend Debbie Duncan, who you know, I guess every now and then she would do something. She does something that's uh, irrelevant uh, politically. Um, and uh, as she's a songstress, but she does that too. Mm-hmm. Some music from like Oscar Brown Jr., people like that. But people don't know that in her spare time, you know, she just lends herself to inner city uh, groups mm-hmm. to teach the children, and that's something she does without any any claim. And then, of course, there's Mick Sterling, his Thirty Days Foundation, people like Kevin Washington. And his whole family down on faith who are active with their music in many different forms, like Michael Franti, you know, just like there are many lanes. And the uh, struggle is so diverse. You were talking about the Miss America, the young lady there. It's like for me, one of my themes is this whole economic disparity. People don't know this. People don't know. And, and you know, I, I can only roughly paraphrase quotes. I didn't come prepared to do a TED talk, but... <laughs> But but the they're pretty accurate hmm. is that, you know, the economic wealth of African-Americans is is it's less than it was in 1968. The median income nationally is approximately one tenth of what it is for white folks. The uh, the the wealth in the city of Boston for an average for a black person is less than one hundred dollars. The average wealth and 60,000 or so for the average white Bostonian. So these numbers are indicative of, oh man, I can't, I can't even put those words in, in of, of apartheid. But on the surface, you know, things appear to be okay because we don't educate ourselves about black people don't even know this. So a young African-American lady, uh, she is impacted by that. Mm-hmm. Whether she knows it or not. Sure. She's impacted by that. And, and having the police beat you is one thing, but not having economic power there, it's, it's, an, it's related. Mm-hmm. They are related. Related. Yeah. Well, as always, I'll include in today's show notes ways for listeners to connect with you and your work. I'll also link to a list of resources that were put together by my friends at Minnesota Opera. I've referenced it before in this podcast, but it it includes many different ways to be a part of both helping and learning. There's ways to donate, to be actively involved in helping. There's ways, uh, books, movies, articles, a lot of great list of resources that they've published and they're continually updating. So I'll also include a link to that in the show notes. Well, Bruce, I usually ask my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending by sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Is there a song or story that you'd like to share with us today or anything else that you just like to share in closing well i thought about a song this is uh i'm going i'm going to sing it a cappella. okay and it is a song that i wrote and this is tying in with my theme is not to be the the old guy see what i told you but just to unite us to an understanding of this perspective mm. so of history mm. so i wrote this song in 1978 and so uh, there are just a couple references in there that may be to things that were happening there. But like when I mention a city, you can fill in another city and it will apply. Okay, <laughs> so, sure. so here we go. 
It's called the Atlanta Song, and this is when the black community and many Americans were just in shock about the killings that were going on in Atlanta that they thought were maybe racially motivated. Yeah. Okay. Americans leave the world in shock, constantly surprised by this nation's nature. Deluding ourselves and falsely believing This is the land of the pure, home of the free Can't you see, can't you feel Injustice is real Look at Miami People often ask, why is the black man angry? They say things aren't as bad as they seem. But for 100 years, we've been running in place. And our freedom is still just a dream. Can't you see? Can't you feel that slavery is real? Look in your prisons. Now the old war horse is raising a familiar war cry. 18, 19 year olders stand by. To enslave the innocent, you may be sent a marching. For the rich man's causes, are you ready to die? Can't you see? Can't you feel? Monsters are real looking, Washington. Now I don't mean to be a prophet of doom, no, no. I just want everybody, everybody to look around. Don't be misled by the oppressor's slogans, no, no. Truly see the pain that's going down. And maybe when you see how it affects you and me, we'll unite together. Oh, and united we'll start. Freedom's wheels are turning, make the world a better place, make the world a better place. And maybe when you see how it affects you and me, we'll unite together, unite together. And united we'll start, freedom's wheels are turning, Make the world a better place. Ah, what a perfect ending. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much. What a great note. Let's keep those wheels turning. Let's unite and make the world a better place. Exactly. Ah, love that. Thank you so much for sharing with us, for sharing that song, your music, your story. I really appreciate it. Part of me finds it a little bit depressing that that song was written in 1978 mm -hmm. and it's still mm -hmm. so true, you know, and so hopefully... This movement will gain even more momentum and we won't be, our, our kids and grandkids won't be saying the same thing in another 50 years. 
Well, I'm in, I'm inspired. So, you know, like I said, you know, in that verse, I'm, I'm not a prophet of doom. doom. I believe it's like, uh, <laughs> I believe in a, I don't know if I mentioned it to you last time, but one of the things that encourages me is uh, when I was, I was in Israel performing and a rabbi told me that nothing you do matters, but you have to live as though everything you do does. Hmm. And so for me, that's, that's kind of like the creed of my life. I mean, it's, it's uh, okay over the over the course of a lifetime. You're encouraged. You're depressed. You're encouraged. You're depressed. <laughs> but the struggle is still there. The struggle mm-hmm. for freedom. So the struggle. My my desire to fight should not be tampered by whether I'm discouraged or or whether I'm overconfident. Yeah, the victory's right here. I'm going to lessen up. No, it's neither one. And it's kind of a warrior's creed too. And it's kind of the law of detachment in Buddhism. It's like the struggle is it's longer than me it's older than me mm-hmm. we all have to do our part whatever it is don't worry about whether you're going to see the victory or not mm-hmm. you need to do your part and don't be discouraged by it so that makes me ultimately hopeful because i'm going to do what i'm going to do and i'm encouraged by I, a lot of people are getting it they're getting the intersectionality of these problems and conditions and they're they're, they're getting that these conditions are woven. This is the American myth. It's part of our, our myth of empire. It's who we are, mm-hmm. the racism. It's not an aberration. So, so once we realize that, then we can move on from it. But until we realize it, it's just going to perpetuate. So you might as well take the sheet off and, and lift up the rocks. Let's just start doing that. And then we can forget once we know the story. Once we know what's been going on, or why your brother and sister's been crying out, then, but not until, you just be reacting to your own truth. A huge thanks again to Bruce for sharing his story and music with us, his perspective and challenge, and his encouragement. As always, there are lots of links in the show notes, including a YouTube video of Sam Cooke's A Change Is Gonna Come. There's a blog I subscribe to called Be More With Less, and just today I read the author Courtney Carver's recent post on the topic of let's be in this together with this being anti-racism. I'll include a link in the show notes because it's a fantastic article with links to other articles, books, organizations, and also recommendations of people of color to follow on Instagram, which I thought was a great idea to just be continually getting bits of information and perspective on a regular basis after the books have been read and the videos have been watched. This Friday is Juneteenth, the holiday commemorating the end of slavery in the United States. I encourage you to recognize the holiday by checking out some of these resources in Courtney's article or the ones included in the Minnesota opera listing that I've referenced in the last couple episodes. I've been making my way through those and highly recommend the videos of Trevor Noah and Rachel Cargill. They're 18 minutes and 13 minutes, so not very long and really informative and helpful and identifying my own blind spots when it comes to race. Let me know if you have any other recommendations or resources on this topic. You can connect with me on social media, email, or through my website, mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 47. There is also a link to that page in the episode details right in your podcast app. Thank you for joining me today. Until next week. May your life be enhanced with music.